Alright, so let me get this straight. You kept something you knew was probably dangerous in order to impress a girl who who you just met? Alright, that's grossly oversimplifying things. I mean, why would a girl like some nasty slug anyway? An interdimensional slug because it's awesome. Well, even if she thought it was cool, which she didn't, I, I just... I don't know, I just feel like you're trying way too hard, man. Well, not everyone can have your perfect hair, all right? It's not about the hair, man. The Kiwi girls are just, just acting like you don't care. Even if you do? Yeah, exactly. It drives them nuts. Then what? You just wait until, uh... Until you feel it. Feel what? It's like before it's gonna storm, you know? You can't see it, but you can feel it. Like this, uh... Electricity? You know? Oh, like in the electromagnetic field when the clouds in the atmosphere... No, 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 no. Like a, like a, like a sexual electricity. Oh. Hey, everybody. I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Stranger Things. Today, we will be covering the sixth episode from season two, titled Chapter Six, The Spy. The Spy. We got a little hint of that spy from last week. Yeah, we did. This is like Spy versus Spy. Did you ever watch that show? No, I know what it is, but I've never watched it. Yeah, it's kind of, this isn't as fun, though. Spy versus Spy was fun, but this is not as fun. this, This was not as fun. This was... I, I thought a little scary. There were some scary moments. It, I was there's, concerned. There's some few legit scenes that my uh, I was a little nervous for some of our characters. So yeah, truly, I, I had some some moments. So what do you say we jump into our top five, Sean? What have you got to start us off tonight? All right. So this show has a few laughs in it every now and then. And I feel like this was, I actually had to pause after this was said because I laughed so hard. You know, it was one of those laughs that my wife kind of looked at me like, what are you laughing at? I wanted to explain it to her, but I was giggling too much. But I just want to know, how was the pullout? (laughs) I'm so glad I didn't take a drink before you said that (laughs) because I almost did. So I start like this whole this whole scene between uh, Nancy and uh, Jonathan kind of starts up like you know they're at you know <clears throat> Bowman's house they're uh, you know they're they're doing all this stuff getting ready to get you know this bad you know they're trying to but you know bring down the man yeah they got a plan he gets them all screwed up on vodka and uh, he's like you know he's basically breaking apart and I started this out as like just friends that was going to be the title of this just friends because. <laughs> You know, he's, you know, that's what Jonathan says. Like, no, we're just friends. And Bowman sees right through it. It's Maury Bowman, right? Yes. Okay. I have a bad habit of making up bad names. Like, for whatever reason, I was calling Carl Drago, Carl Drago. So <laughs> if I'm ever saying the wrong name, stop me. Oh, I Carl, will. Carl, <laughs> Carl Drago. <laughs> but so, you know, he basically saying, like, everyone's lying. And it's interesting because it seems like everybody sees this chemistry between the two but them. Uh-huh. And I don't know if it was the alcohol fueling it because, you know, Nancy's like, you know, I, you know, I don't stop or what, I can't remember exactly what she was talking about. Afraid this, or retreat. Yeah, I don't retreat. Yep. That's right. And, you know, Jonathan's like trust issues. Like, I don't have trust issues. 
And, you know, they're both like, we need to talk this out, you know, because you're, you're drunk and you're teenagers. Of course. of course, you just want to talk it out. And, you know, they we we get the moment. We get the moment where they, you know, embrace mm-hmm. each other and, you know, passionately go back into the room. And, you know, as we're sitting there for breakfast, <laughs> and I don't I'm wondering if this is Jonathan's first time. I'm that's, I think that's a safe assumption. OK, because he seemed a little bit more embarrassed than she did. Mm hmm. Because, you know, as they're sitting there, you get the greatest line ever. You know, they're eating breakfast, and Maury Bowman's like, so, Jonathan, how was the pullout? <laughs> the Which, timing, that whole oh, scene. Oh, it was perfect, yeah. <laughs> it, the only problem with that is that dude was a little creepy. Yes. You know, he's like he's very much setting up, like, you know, there's these teenagers in this house, because they're like 16, 17, maybe 18, but I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they're probably more like in the 17th range at the most. Yeah. And, you know, he's going over. It's like, listen, you guys can cut through the bullshit and you can just share the bed. And he walks up to his room like that dude's totally going to sneak back down and sit on his chair and listen. (laughs) Creeper. (laughs) Yeah. Well, why would they think that they have any privacy in that place? The dude has cameras like probably surrounding the whole. I mean, he we know he had it by the door, but he probably has like cameras like surrounding his place, like surveillance. Why would he not have something on the inside? That's a good point. Yeah. So he's well, yeah. Maybe he's just in his room. It's like excellent. My liquor plan worked. Oh my gosh, this guy, you're on it. I don't. I mean, I I I find his character interesting, and and I I really thought it was um, interesting in the in the previous episode when they first um, approached him. And, you know, they were coming up with their plan and, you know, you know, the whole thing about adding water, you know, and diluting it and stuff, diluting mm-hmm. the story. I thought all of that was really cool. This little bit, it was funny, but I really felt uncomfortable <laughs> whenever he's telling these teenagers to share the bed. Yeah, it's like, you teenagers need to shag. Let's just get it on. Like, don't mind me. I'll just sit here and drink my drink. I know. I just, look, I, I am not a prude by any means. And I know kids and teenagers, I know what happens and that's fine. But I, Bible t- for, study. like that, of course, I mean, <laughs> I was at the library. I don't know <laughs> about the rest of you, but I, I know what goes on. Um, but I was at the library while, while other, you know, other people were uh, taking part in activities, <laughs> but you know, it just made me uncomfortable as, I mean, obviously, obviously this guy does not have children because I can't imagine as a parent, uh, you know, telling teenagers, you know, it's okay, just share the bed and giving them alcohol. Yeah. And like I said, I'm not, you know, yes, these kids have parties, they have sex, you know, that, yes, I know that I'm not blind to that, but I just feel like to have an adult blessing like that, it was just a little bit weird, a little bit creepy, yeah. made me a little bit uncomfortable. It was funny. I mean, I think it made for us. Yeah, it's it's very humorous, but I mean, like, that's the that's the thing, you know, when Nancy's married and, you know, she's sitting down with her husband getting ready for bed, like, she's going to, you know, go back to this and be like, oh, my God, I uh-huh. bet Maury Bowman has a sex tape of me. It's going to be out on the internet. Yep. Like oh in, shit! Yeah, yeah. Like if 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 yeah. By the time she's like married, like twenty years from then, it, it could be out. Yep. Um, it could be out there. It's all Obviously. fun and games until your sex tape ends up on the internet. You know. If I had a nickel, I have twenty five <laughs> cents, and I don't want to talk about it. Do we really want to dig too deep there, Sean? Don't Google my name. <laughs> Well. And furry outfit and the same thing. That's all I'm saying. 
the other thing I thought was interesting is they're sitting there. She's talking about like how she likes Steve, mm-hmm. and Maury Bowman is very you know he's very cues in on a lot of words. He's like, oh well, we like Steve, uh-huh. but we don't love Steve. And uh, when she talks about like loving Steve, he's like, that's your second lie. And so he's definitely picking up on this whole thing. And the only and this kind of goes more to to me again feeling bad for Steve, you know, because he's never done a wrong to that extent. Like anything I think he's done, he's at least kind of redeemed himself for. Mm-hmm. And she's essentially kind of cheated on him with a guy that he trusts. So, I mean, uh-huh. I kind of feel bad about for Steve on this situation. So, I mean, that's got to, you know, that's got to come up at some point when those two get back together. Yeah, and and did we really ever get full closure on what happened? Because he, Steve seemed to think, like, after the party, you know, like, where they broke up? Were they just in a fight? I mean. I guess that's a good point. They haven't really consoled or they haven't discussed that they're together. The last time we saw them together was right outside the gym, right? When he was in his gym shorts and. Getting yep. beat up by hairband Billy. Yeah, the the shirts and skins game that I love to reference so much. But yeah, do you want to um, take a moment and think about that again? <laughs> I, I already did. Um, but, <laughs> um, but but yeah, so I mean, she's you know bawling him out about you know leaving me at the party and how could you do that and um, or you know not leaving her at the party. I'm sorry. She I guess acknowledged that she's like, well, you took me home, and he's like, no, I didn't. So you know, it was kind of like. He felt like they broke up because she's calling their whole relationship bullshit. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, and he, he, she couldn't even tell him that she loved him in that moment. Because he's like, you know, tell me then. She's, she's like, tell you what? And he's like, tell me you love me. And she couldn't do it. So, and then he then gets called back into the gym for the game. And that's it. That's the last time we see those two share the screen. And after that, it was her and Jonathan on this mission with their plan. They got a radio shack and their whole plan with where we are now. So Man, I feel worse for uh, Steve now because like, know. like this would be the situation it's like, oh, well, Steve, you know, hooked up with a girl. It's like, well, in his mind, they broke up. But, I th- you know, he hasn't done anything. It seems like he's still kind of, you know, hankering for. Her. Well, yeah, he he comes to the house. That's when Dustin swipes yeah. off. Him. He's like, hey, she's not here. Let's oh. go. And he's got the roses and he's practicing his line. You know, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I love you. Man. I'm sorry. Hashtag justice for Steve, am I right? Uh-huh. I think so. <laughs> Gosh, did we did we ever think we'd be here saying that? <laughs> uh, I think I was quoted as saying, like, if this show makes me love Steve, I'm going to be pretty upset. But at least I have hairband Billy now. It's, so Yeah, we, we'll just transfer that. Um, <laughs> you have an appropriate target to... to um, to use that for now so so yeah it's okay i think i think we're all gonna let you off the hook uh for liking steve with as much crap as we gave him uh from season one i think i'll take it yeah yeah so so my number five is just i like to title it how was the pullout <laughs> i don't know i've heard uh, many titles <laughs> for top fives <laughs> oh my gosh crazy yeah all good Points. And that is actually, um, I don't have too much to, to add on to that. We had a pretty good discussion, but that was my number three point was Murray, a.k.a. Mr. Inappropriate. <laughs> That's a good name for him. Yeah, he just, I mean, I think he's a, a, an interesting character. He certainly brought in some comic relief. I mean, we've already got pretty good comic relief with Dustin 
in in the show because I just think he is just gold in this show and some of the lines that he gets. And I mean, all the kids are great, but um, you know, he really gets to to say some great things and have great moments. But I think that he brought in an element, at least from the adult side of things, a little bit of humor because the other adults in the show is pretty serious. They're all very serious and you know, very serious things happening and. Um, he, he brings a humor element from an adult perspective, but yeah, some of yeah. it did make me uncomfortable. I thought I, I could never tell teenagers to just, Oh, go share the bed. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, Especially then, like while I'm wearing a robe. Yeah. Like that just is like dude, an extra layer of creepy. Put on some pants. Yeah. Put on some pants. Take a, put a shirt over the wife beater and put on some <laughs> pants. <laughs> when he's, you know, he's very much feels like a cartoon character to an extent, but it's one of those things that, uh, like, there, there's these people in real life. They're not, like, they, they butt up against, like, you know, they, they butt up against where it's, like, it's inappropriate, but, like, there's people who, like, take it even further. Mm-hmm. And he kind of butts up against it. Yeah. You know, it's definitely the guy that, like, you wouldn't want to hang out with him by yourself. Like, if Jonathan was there by himself, like, there'd probably be a lot of, like, uncomfortable conversations. Probably. Probably. I feel like this guy probably has a pretty good VHS collection, if you know what I mean. Uh, I wonder what his name is when he goes to get those tapes. (laughs) I'm Maury Bone Man. Pseudonym when he goes and gets his rentals. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's a whole other podcast to dive into his catalog. I don't want to know. I don't want to yeah. know. <laughs> oh my goodness! But yeah, lots of good points, and um, that that was actually my number three. So that's lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff. So if you don't have anything else to say about that, I'll go into my number five. All right. Yeah. What you got for your number five? It's it's very short and sweet because this particular character didn't have very many lines and not a whole lot of screen time. But I felt that he made. A, a big impact, at least for me, watching this show and this episode, he had a big impact on me, and it was very significant, despite him not having a lot of lines and screen time, and that's Mike. Um, mm. You know, he didn't have much to say or do. You know, he, it seems like he's always talking, always planning. He's always doing something, something, you know, he's always active. Uh, but this time he was very, uh, he was just sitting at Will's bedside. And being with Will the entire time. And it just really stood out to me because I thought, that is a true friend. You know, he, and and I mean, we, we saw that. I mean, you definitely, in my opinion, you don't second guess that ever. Because, you know, Mike was the one that was so adamant in season one in looking for Will. the one, You know, believing that Will was truly in trouble. Uh, looking for Will, never giving up. And doing whatever it took to find him. So I think, you know, you definitely don't question it. But I think you just see this go even further you know, staying with Will the entire time, you know, he's asleep in the chair, you know, this got to be this super uncomfortable chair, you know, with the blanket on him, you know, kind of sleeping there by Bill's or by Will's bedside and not leaving him at all. And just tries to help him remember, you know, like, do you know who I am? He's trying to help him fill out those, you know, his, um, his memories, his now memories. Um, so to me, it just really stood out and it, it, it really touched me to see their friendship and how good of a friend Mike really is. So that I don't have too much to elaborate on because not too much happened uh, with him, except at the end when he's, when he realizes what's happening, which we can go into later. Um, but to me, it made an impact um, to show that true friendship. 
and how much he really you know, loves and cares for Will. Yeah, and I mean, there's stuff to talk about even more. So like him, on, like kind of seeing the facade that was being put up. You know, <clears throat> the first one to really identify that, even before his mom. Because I mean, there's there's things like you know your best friend probably knows more about you than your mom does. For sure. So yeah, that's it's that's a good number five. Love those kids. All right, so for my number four, uh, it's not going to be as creepy, but I'm going to stick in uh, <laughs> stick around with Maury Bowman um, and the kids in this and the Nancy and Jonathan in this. But uh, I want to talk about going viral. So we get a really cool uh, scene oh. where. You know, they create this tape and they cut it off at the point where they dilute it. You know, they give just enough information that like mm-hmm. they're talking about the, you know, the basically like they, it sounds like more of like some kind of leakage, you know, like a radioactive leak or, you know, right. it's not supernatural in anything. So people hear this are going to be scared mm-hmm. and they're going old school with this. They're copying these tapes in the tape recorder and they're mailing them to newspapers like this would take so long to do. Oh, it would. And I just love, you know, their celebrations like we're taking down the man and they toast with drinks. Yep. But I mean, like today, you know, usually stuff you know goes viral like really quick. You know, like somebody posts something, you know, six days later it's got ten billion views. Mm-hmm. Like with back in this day, like you're mailing these things off, you know, and they even says it as they leave, it's like, hey, keep your eye on the papers. Because exactly. you don't know how long it's gonna take. You know, it could take a week, could take a month, could take a year. You don't even know how long it would take. No. Because these are going to these major, I think the one label that we saw was with the Chicago Tribune. Um, You know, these are getting delivered and who knows how long they're going to sit in some sort of like bucket or mail Mm -hmm. carrier thing, whatever you call them, those mail bins um, before. And then it lands on a pile on someone's desk before someone finally thinks to open it. Um, Well, it seems like a waiting game. Yeah. And it seems odd to me, too, because I mean... Newspapers get sued, so you can't just run this without any kind of, like, research. Right. So what are they going to do? Like, are they going to go to Hawkins and, like, start uncovering this stuff? Are they going to go to Hawkins and the the government's just going to shut them down and be like, no, there's no leak here. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Well, what about that dead tree over there and that pack of weird-looking dogs? There's nothing to see here, Chibrun. Go back to Chicago and cover (laughs) the Cubs. Nothing to see here, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just go step in that hole over there. Those are some very deep holes. Yeah. Yeah, those demigorgons will take care of their uh, press problem probably pretty quick, so. Yeah, no kidding. Blessing and a curse. Yeah, that's for sure. I don't know. Yeah, that is very interesting. It That's a really good comparison. I guess I hadn't thought of it that way. Like, I'm watching it, and I realize what's happening. But to, like, compare it to, to today when something goes viral. Because, like you said, it's so easy to send something out today, like YouTube, all the social media, um, and all the, the different places that you can put things out there. Um and, well, and, and, and make it be seen. But this was such a – I mean, they're making, like, mixtapes. You know, they're 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 mixing that yeah. tape to, to fit the story that they feel is going to be believable. Like you said, it's not supernatural. I mean, who's going to believe anything about Demogorgons and the Upside Down? But surely, yes, people will believe that there's this government facility leaking some sort of like toxic waste or some sort of chemical that makes people sick or might even kill people or something like that. That's believable. That's not too far-fetched. Um, but yeah, that's that's a really good comparison. I don't know that I made that that connection that that's the old school viral. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, and it's crazy. Like you, I'm, I don't know if there, there's gotta be somebody that's done research on the science of like going viral in today's age, but you look at that cheerleader that did like the fake step, like that thing's still huge today. Like after a week, 
And, you know, you look at today, things go viral, and usually after a couple of days, it's kind of gone. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just crazy to think, you know, hey, back in the day, we're going to send these tapes and hope that it gets picked up. They had to, I guess I, it would have been interesting to, to look up some of that a little bit um, prior to us podcasting on it. But just to see how some of the, you know, the stories that broke maybe in those days, how, how I mean, did they use this type of technique? Did they you know, leak this to, you know, all of these newspapers in, in these kinds of ways. And I'm wondering what was in the letter, I wonder, that they sent. Because, you know, they were sending oh, this yeah, piece yeah. of paper and the tape in the envelope and then sealing them sealing them up and then putting them, you know, uh, slapping the labels on there. I'm surprised he was actually putting his name on there, which I guess you have to kind of have a name, I guess, when you when you mail things. Isn't that kind of a rule? Um, yeah. I, I don't do a lot of snail mail. Sorry. I know that sounds really stupid, <laughs> do a lot of snail mail but um i'm pretty sure you do have to have i guess a name and address but i thought oh are people going to look at that name and just he's going to be known enough that people are going to think he's a quack um unless he has like the weird you know cult writers at the newspaper that he's sending it to mm -hmm. and maybe the letter is him saying like hey no this is legit like i've got like you know recordings of a doctor at this facility you you should listen to it And, and it seems like back then like newspapers and stuff like they wanted to be the first one to break the story because then it was always tied to you know the chicago tribune reports yep and just kind of gets those newspaper sales that's true because that was a thing newspaper sales was a lot bigger today than what it is now yeah with news being everywhere very good number four so my number four is just the going viral i love that i love that title so true old school viral um so, that sounds like a great name for a band. I bet if you Google it, it's probably out there. It's probably there's not too much out there right now that hasn't been thought of. That I, I agree, but it seems like every time you think there's something original, <laughs> someone else has got it. Yeah, nothing popped up quick, so maybe we get it. That'll be our next podcast, Old School Viral. Yeah, you better go out there if you want it, and you better go out there and trademark it and grab it. Get your website before <laughs> before this <laughs> podcast gets released. <laughs> Oh gosh, very good number four. I like that. Um, very good comparison. So, my number four is Doctor Owens. Uh, I've I've really struggled with with how I feel about Doctor Owens since the start of season two. I really f- felt a lot of this time he, you know, he definitely seems you know more put together than Doctor Brenner from season one. He's you know, we've talked many times and talked about how he has more of a nicer bedside manner. He's a little bit more friendly, a little bit more outgoing. He seems to want to share all the information with you. He's just going to tell you, hey, this is just how it is. And, you know, we're just going to have to deal with it. And um, so he seems very different. So I, but I just can't, can't quite figure him out. And I, I didn't trust him. I still don't really trust him at all. So don't get me wrong. But I think I really saw a different side of him this episode because I, think he really cares for Will. Um, and I found that really interesting. He really showed true, I felt, in his face, in his actions, and the way that he spoke to Will, uh, you know, true caring for him and what happens to him. You know, he they started, they're slowly figuring out what happened. You know, Will comes in and he's screaming and just writhing around on that bed in pain. 
he figures out, you know, it's like he's burning, he's burning, take these clothes off, you know, because obviously he's not in flames, but they think he's been burned or maybe like a chemical burn or something. And they are taking his, his shirt off to try and find a source and they don't see anything. So they're starting to figure out what's happening. They describe it to Hopper and uh, Bob and Joyce, uh, you know, describing it like a virus, how they're all communicating with each other. And it, it's making sense. But he's actually got morals. And, you know, when he's talking about, you know, all the doctors are sitting there and they're talking about, you know, we need to start the burn. We need to start the burn. And he's like, no, we know what happens, you know, when when we do that. And they're like, well, we're just going to that's just going to have to happen. And he's like, no. And I was like, oh, hell, it just it really just surprised me. And I thought, OK, so I don't really trust him, really. I still think he is, um, you know, looking to protect their research and protect what he needs to protect. But I thought, well, he really has, I feel, maybe grown to care about Will. And that that uh, that surprised me. So I really liked that. About yeah, that I mean, when they were like that one doctor was like, no, we got to start the burn. It's spreading. He's like, he he got very defensive and very aggressive about like, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you want to say that again to me? Like, do you want to bring that up? Yeah. And he ends up just walking out of the room. Like, you know, it's like, where are you going? It's like, I, I got to think. And it's, you know, uh, you know, we talk about like, you know, it didn't seem like he knew about the, cause at first we thought he knew about the spreading. I don't think he knew about the spreading. I think he knows he like, he's got a huge mess to clean up <laughs> for sure. And now he's got a young boy who is somehow attached to this uh, monster. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they can't do what they were doing because the monster has developed a defense mechanism. And that defense mechanism is Will. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, you know, everything, defend, you know, builds some kind of defense mechanism. And that's what it is. It's it's a virus. It's a high virus. And now it is part of Will. And anytime we do anything to this, it's going to hurt Will. So we don't know is it going to kill him. Is it just pain? But, you know, it's definitely it, the upside downs way of, you know, stopping us from, you know, basically taking on our morals and our, you know, humanity to be like, oh, yeah, you can you can kill me. You can set me on fire, but you're going to kill this kid, too. Exactly. Yeah, that's really well said, I think. Because that, that's exactly, I think, what's happening, what they're finally figuring out. And it's like what he's telling Hopper when they're being lowered. And, man, did that thing go on forever, that oh, lift yeah. thing? That they were on and as he's talking to Hopper and stuff and they're, you know, going down that deep hole. Good gravy. I mean, that was really deep. It was definitely not. I mean, I think it was quite a drop when Hopper was digging the hole in that one episode a few or a few ups back. And, um, you know, he kind of fell down in there, but it was nothing like that. That was like, um, I don't know what the hell that was like. That was like a Mordor or something out there. The You know, that wherever the hell that was in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it makes me that right. really, really curious why they weren't able to find that before. Because like, it's like, <sighs> so we have this big ass hole beneath our building, and uh, no idea. We just just found it, so we're going to journey to the center of the upside down. I mean that that seems like it developed very quickly, um, and it, it spread fast. And I don't know. That was I don't know, but. I just I thought I just thought he was he was very interesting. I liked how he explained things. I really it it shocked me how much he really cared for Will. I mean, I don't I think I think before he was just placating to them, but now I thought oh, he really likes him or seems to care for him. And and I thought that really came came across. Um so that's that's my number 4, Dr. Owens, I, the mysterious man. I want to know more about him. 
Yeah, I that's a good number one. That's a or uh, sorry, it's a good number. Uh, because yeah, it's the same thing. Like you know, we have the doctor before that we absolutely know is. I, mean, I don't know if he's evil, but he definitely doesn't have, you know, people's best interest. It's his own personal gain. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know, this doctor really seems to have people's, uh, you know, safety and livelihood and in, in, uh in consideration whenever he makes a decision. Mm-hmm. He he seems to take this seriously. Whereas Doctor Brenner, I don't feel it just. And if he did, it didn't come across, at least to me that he didn't really take the threat of the Upside Down and the Demogorgons and things that happened in season one. It's like he didn't see it as such a threat, like we're just going to handle it, we're just going to control it or whatever. Um, Dr. Owen seems to, like, you know, we had a shitstorm going here. You know, we, yeah. we we just uncovered this, which, like you said, how can they just now have figured this out? Um, but he seems to be like, yep, we got a problem and, uh, we got to deal with it. And he seems to get, you know, the urgency, I think of what's, of what's happening and sees that something, something bad is happening and they need to figure it out and that they're running tests. You can see they're running all of their tests and doing these scans, trying to figure out like, you know, how to kill it, what its weakness is, you know, and so on and so forth. So they can one, take care of this growing um problem that's happening under underground and also because it's taking a hold of will and pretty yeah, much taking like, him over it seems like dr brenner's like the mad scientist he's the one that like okay you know the the death of a few outweighs you know because we're gonna have gains for tons of people like we got to push this science to the max mm-hmm. and dr owens is more like no it's like we got to be ethical you know we got to take care of people Science isn't worth the death of even one person. At least mm-hmm. in this episode, that's what it seemed like. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He he he's. I like that he's not just that. I felt like Doctor Brenner was very just flat and and didn't wasn't fle- fleshed out very well. I wasn't very interested in him as a character. But I'm very interested in Doctor Owens, and it's not because I loved him so much and mad about you. But that's my number four. All right, so my number three, uh, we're starting to get a little bit of backstory, and I love when we see backstory. It's uh, mm-hmm. kind of Max and Hairband Billy's backstory. Yeah. So we find out that they are, you know, stepbrother and stepsister. Mm-hmm. Um, her dad is in California still, and her, her parents got divorced at some point. And like we kind of assumed, uh, Max's mom married uh Hairband Billy's dad, so he's got she's got a stepdad now, and you know Hairband Billy is there. There's he, I guess, can't take it out on her mom is the way she put it because he's pissed off that he's not in California anymore, mm-hmm. and so he takes it out on her. Now we don't really get into too much of what that is. Maybe he's just verbally abusive. At least yeah. that's all we're hoping it is. And it's not any kind of physical abuse. At least it doesn't seem to that to this point yet. But you know, it's it's definitely nice to see that the that. I don't know, maybe they're not these supernatural people. They're just kind of wrong place, wrong time. That's for sure. And we find out that in California, they actually don't say totally tubular. <laughs> That's a relief because I thought everybody did whenever I <laughs> back in 1984. That's how they said thank you. It's like in Canada when they say a boot. <laughs> My only other side notes on that. So, like, we see uh, Max, or we see uh, Lucas stop by Max's house, mm-hmm. and I want to go on the hairband Billy workout. Yes. Basically, you sit there, you're pumping iron, you're smoking, smoking. and then after you're done, you chug a beer. That's yeah. how you get your good workout in. Isn't that what you do? 
That's because uh, you I, work out, right? And that yeah, you're... but apparently I'm not doing it right. I need to start smoking while I'm working out, and then, like I said, have that celebratory beer afterwards. Smoke them up, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And then, yeah, to give yourself a little bit of a reward for being all sweaty and pumping iron, you need to uh, chug chug a beer. I like it. I have to start doing that. I don't know why everybody doesn't. So but, do you... Oh, go ahead, sorry. But, but to be a teenager, you can get away with that stuff when you're older. That's a good point, yeah. You know? Well, and the thing is, is, like, where's the parents, too? Yeah. Because uh, when I first saw that, like, I had a thought. I was like, well, maybe they don't have parents. Maybe it's just him and her in this house. That would be horrible because it, yeah. Billy is just deplorable. Yeah, I don't think he's the guy that you want to kind of run your household. I feel like he's not going to feed you. Or, you know, care. I mean, he obviously does not care about Max at all. I don't think that we've seen he's I I get the anger stuff. I get, you know, parents divorcing and kids being angry and stuff. But it wasn't to me what we have seen so far out of Billy, the way that he acts towards Max. That is rage. I mean, he is raging on her, like the way he was trying to run the boys down, you know, um, coming down the road when the boys are on their bicycles, the way he's screaming and yelling all up in Max's face. I mean, that's not just anger issues where you got a chip on your shoulder. This dude's got a boulder on his shoulder. Yeah, he's got some def- He needs to sit down and talk with somebody for sure. He does. And let his feelings out. He needs to talk it out and hug it out. Yep, you got to hug it out, get the grumbles out. That's what I always say. <laughs> oh, that's really good. But it, did, did, was there anything I missed really with that backstory? I mean, it, there wasn't a ton. It was just kind of a quick hit, but yeah, it definitely kind of leads you to the, you know, I mean, I'm guessing that's exactly what it was. I don't think she's lying. No, I I think in that moment she was being very honest. I think it was just a real honest moment between between her and Lucas because I think she kind of felt bad. You know, because she was admitting that she was angry, too. You know, she's like, you know, I'm angry, too. And I know she felt like she was like Billy because of that, because, you know, he's angry and taking it out on her. She's angry over the circumstances, too. She's not he's not the only one that has issues with it. She's, you know, dealing with it, too, and has anger. And, of course, you saw her lash out at the boys. You saw her lash out at Lucas, you know, calling him stalker. She doesn't take him seriously when he tells her you know, the story of what happened with Will and, and, you know, all the cover-up stuff, you know, and she's just, you know, totally blowing him off. Um, so I think it was a true moment, in in my opinion, that, that they had together. I thought that was really nice. Um, and I don't think she was lying about it. She seemed pretty open and honest, and I like that. I do like getting that story because I'm like, finally, we get a little bit of something here because we're six episodes in, and... Who are these? Who are these two kids? You know, we don't yeah. really know too much, and we don't see Max. We're seeing, you know, a, you know, a good portion of, but we barely see Billy. You know, he's got a scene here and there, and you know, enough to point out he's an asshole. Um, yeah, you don't really get any like his deep thoughts. It's just pretty much him jumping in the scene, being a douchebag, and then you know, going back and chugging a beer. I wanna, I wanna hear Billy's deep thoughts because I don't know that he has any. Probably not. It's like, oh, I'm going to do another set of 20. Right. And chug that old stag. 
tubular. I don't think he he thinks too far ahead, and uh, he's kind of in the moment, and I don't think he's having too many deep thoughts. He just needs to keep pumping iron, so he can he can look cute in those short short eighty shorts. (laughs) Yeah, you can get away with that if you could be dumb and cute. It kind of works for guys, I guess. It some some it it can work, yeah, and we just. We just say, shh, don't speak. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we... <laughs> uh, that's funny. So yeah, my number three is just we're kind of getting Max's backstory. I like it. It's a really good number three, and I like that moment too. Really good. I was pleased to finally get something, a little something, a nugget of something. So very good. So my number three, we pretty much covered already where we talked about Murray uh, Bowman, that whole scene with him and Jonathan and Nancy, and I, you know, I think that we, we covered that pretty well. I did think it was really funny when he's, you know, when the Jonathan and Nancy were leaving. I will say where he's, you know, uh, watch for the papers. He hands him a bottle of vodka, and he's like, "And don't reach me again." <laughs> you yeah. know, and slams the door. If you need to get a hold of me again. <laughs> don't slams the door. Yeah, oh, it'd been funny like if he like tried to slam the door, and like the door handle didn't like it popped back <laughs> open or something. And he's like, "Oh, sorry." Close it again. <laughs> it would have been really funny, but probably too shtick for this show. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I agree. Very good. Um, missed comedic moment had he slammed the door and it got stuck or like didn't get into the like door frame or something. That'd been really good. So that's my number three. I think we covered uh, Murray and all of his inappropriateness pretty well in that whole scene. So. What is your number two? All right, so my number two, uh, we wanted it last episode. We got it this episode. And I, I could watch a whole Netflix series just on these two. It is the Steve and Dustin show. Yes. Like, put these guys on the road. And, you know, I, you know this should be, like, Supernatural, like, the next, uh, you know, like, if they recast Supernatural, it needs to be these two guys. Yes. They would make a great Sam and Dean. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's everything from, you know, Dustin asking Steve, like, hey, you still got that bat? You know, he pops open the trunk, toss, you know, as he's opening the trunk, he tosses Dustin the keys. You know, there, there's the whole Demi-Gorgon uh, dart hunt, you know? So they, you know, oh, this is just so great, like, great interaction between these two. Yes, it was gold. Yeah, so they get there, you know, he smacks with those bat, he smacks the doors, and he's like, dude, if this is a prank, I will eliminate you. <laughs> And, you know, it's just, you know, Dustin's, like, got the light in his eyes. He's like, it's not a prank. Get it out of my face. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and he doesn't want to go down the basement, so he's like, hey, I'll just stay up here. You know, it's like, just, like I said, all just these gold moments. Uh, But what we learn from this as he gets down there, you know, Dart has escaped. Uh Uh-huh. And so we know Dart's on the loose. So now, instead of them just, like, going into this uh, basement, now they're going on a Dart hunt. And we get this great, like, you know, there's probably, like, you know, we had, a, you know, some marriage advice, some relationship advice from Lucas's dad, Mr. Lucas's dad, last episode. Mm-hmm. Now we get some love advice from Dr. Love, yes. Mr. Steve. Steve the love machine. Yeah. And he's giving, you know, he's telling, you know, Dustin all of his tricks. And what he tells him is, what? Act like you don't care. Because that's what the yep. ladies want. That's right. Just be you know, bored. Just act like so, you're bored. <laughs> ever since I've watched this episode, I've been at, the, at my house. I've acted like I haven't cared. Yeah. How my far, wife's not happy with me right now. I was going to say, how far is that getting you right now? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot of extra chores I need to do. Because <laughs> I think I knew that before you told me. 
But, you know, it's it's great. You know, the other thing I love with this, too, is they're walking. You know, he's talking about... And, like, you see some, like, older brother-likeness from Steve a little bit, I think, in this uh, mm-hmm. kind of the scene. But, you know, they're talking about where, you know, they're walking and he's saying, you know, you get this, like, feeling. And Dustin's like, like, love? He's like, no, it's like sexual electricity, <laughs> which I've never heard it described like that, but no. sure. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you see Steve, like, you know, he's had his heart broken by Nancy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he definitely tells Dustin in the sense, he's like, dude, don't, you're too young for that crap. Like, you know, you're just going to get your heart broken. And the other, I'll just tag on the one last thing that I really enjoyed. So as they're in the bus, you know, Mac shows up and Dustin's pretty upset about it. Cause I think there's this little like competition between Lucas and Dustin over Max. Definitely. And, you know, she's up there and he's Dustin's pissed. So he's like, he says something or another. And uh, she walks up and, you know, Steve is like, oh, yeah, sure, you don't care. Good job. And Dustin's like, I don't care. And, like, he felt really, like, that felt like a very, like, poignant, like, heartfelt moment. Yeah. Because, like, he seemed hurt. And Dustin, or I'm sorry, Steve, is sitting there just winking at him. He just gave a wink. <laughs> Why are you winking? <laughs> it's just, oh. It was all so amazing. Well, I mean, that's like your, you know, I've had, I've, a lot of my, you know, my friends growing up were a lot older than me. And that's kind of the relationship you'd have with them is they give you this really bad advice. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh, dude, this is like terrible advice. Like, oh, yeah, sure, you don't care. It's like, dude, I don't care. Yeah, sure, you don't, wink. You don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, got you. I got you, bro. <laughs> don't, don't say it. You feel that sexual, don't, sexual electricity. Oh, you said it. It's always creepy when you say it. Stop it. <laughs> I know so many good um, lines between these two. They have amazing chemistry. So do you have any thoughts or anything? Or like what was your kind of whole feel of that uh, kind of run? So, so much. I mean, I could go on all day and dissect every scene that these two shared. And not just, you know, Dustin and Steve, but they're towards the end whenever Lucas and, and Max join them there at the old junkyard. Um, I thought all of that was fantastic as well. Um, but I could dissect and talk about their conversations and their great lines that they had all day long. Um, but yeah, you, you mentioned Steve's bat. I thought that was super cool. We got to see that again. I really loved uh, in the car as we when we first see them there in the car and they're and they're talking and um queen is playing a great oh, yeah, yeah. great queen song and you know it, it continues as they get in the into the trunk and they're getting all their stuff out and it it kind of comes to to a, a conclusion there that song does but i thought oh my gosh what a great song i love queen so much they're one of my like whenever i was probably like five years old queen was one of the first bands that i truly fell in love with and, and made me love music so much so queen has a special place in my heart that meant a lot to me i love that he was giving dustin love advice of course who takes lo- i mean yes i know steve has a way with the ladies and he's had lots of girlfriends and i'm sure he's got some experience but it's still love advice coming from a teenager so seriously let's not take yeah. let's take that with a grain of salt shall we um love his members only jacket he's got great hair he's got the sunglasses and he's got the members only jacket <laughs> he but, gives you his uh his secrets of his hair too you know that to me was fantastic the whole hair conversation <laughs> uh because you know dustin has great hair yeah he does yeah he's got really point. great hair and and steve ha- i mean they're, they're different but they they both have a really great head of hair and i think it really identifies both of them um, you know, that that really kind of makes 
them as their character. That's part of their character, I feel, is the hair for both of them. And it's fantastic. And oh my gosh, that hair conversation, it, it really, it spoke to me because listen, anybody that knows me in my personal life, I am a huge product junkie. <laughs> and this really spoke to me and it cracked me up when he's talking about Farrah Fawcett's spray. He's like, use, you know, your hair has to be damp, not wet, has to be damp. And use four, four, what do you call it? Splashes? What do you call it? Four splashes or four spritzes? Splashes, spritzes of the Farrah Fawcett spray. And this just cracks me up because, you know, this is fact. Farrah Fawcett really did have a line of hair products. <laughs> I looked this up. This Was is it legit. good quality too? Well, I don't know about the, I think the shampoo and the conditioner that she had was, was, was pretty good. The, and it was a Fabergé line. He said it was Fabergé, uh, Organics, Farrah Fawcett spray. And this is, this is correct. This is legit. And, um, this, this is interesting because there, you can find it very rarely, but it's, um, you can find the hairspray. I heard this was really good hairspray from what I heard. This was an HG product for, um, a lot of people, this Farrah Fawcett hairspray. I think you can find it out there on eBay. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, and you might look, and it might go up between the last time that I looked at it, it was up to almost $600. Holy shit. For a bottle of hairspray. And that was if there was actual product. Even just the label, even just the product label, labeling was wow. in the hundreds of dollars. Does like, that stuff like age like wine? So is it like, it can't be good now, can it? You know, I, w I wish it was because I heard it was really great hairspray. And I'm always looking out for a really good hairspray. Um, it cannot be great. This stuff does like break down and lose, you know, whatever mojo it's got in there that, that works, uh, I feel decomposes, um, after some time, like the chemical breakdown or something <laughs> happens. Um, so I feel that after all this time, cause interestingly enough, the Farrah Fawcett product line was discontinued in 1984. Uh, the, the year that this season of stranger things takes place. And if I know Steve, this is his HG product for his hair to look fabulous. He has probably got a stockpile of that stuff in his closet or um, bathroom at home because it's been discontinued. Um, in God save those demigorgons when he can't get his Farrah Fawcett or Farrah Fawcett hairspray. You know, there's nothing worse than when you find a, a product that you love so much and works for you, and then they discontinue it. It really does. It stresses me out. Um, all you ladies out there know what I'm talking about when you find that one great product, um, whether it's hair or makeup or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, definitely a great conversation. I loved that. I loved how he was just like, yep, don't, you know, Hey, say what you want, but look at the hair, you know, <laughs> it works. Um, I thought it was really brave of Steve. This is kind of going a little bit beyond just the Steve and Dustin, but Steve and the kids, I really, because we get this great interaction with Steve, some some comic, you know, moments. Um, but we we got to see Steve be really brave when he went outside of the bus that they were all in to draw out Dart, because you know they were seeing that he wasn't quite falling for their little meat treat uh, that they had for him to to draw him out, and he left that bus, and then he was like you know, protecting the kids, you know, telling them to stay here and, you know, he'll take care of it. And Dustin, you know, who was kind of, I think listening to a lot of what he had to say and kind of, you know, half-heartedly listening to him. But I think in that moment, whenever he, cause Max like, what is he doing? And he's like, he's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, I thought that was great. He could really, you could really see how he was like respecting Steve now, and I really loved that moment. I like how he was, um, you know, really protective over the kids. You know, it's kind of interesting because we haven't really heard much about Dustin's dad. I don't no. think he has any siblings, so I know they're pretty close in age. But you know, when you have that like male figure, you kind of look up up to at that age. You know, it mm-hmm. maybe that's kind of what we're starting to see. Yep, that's true. He's he's you know because it's always cooler. It's like you mentioned before how if you're at a certain age, like in, in a middle school age, junior high age, and you've got a high school friend, that is like the coolest thing ever. Um, I had a lot of older friends whenever I was growing up, which led me to all kinds of good places. Let me tell you, I didn't get in any trouble at all having friends that were older mm-hmm. than me. But um, but I can relate to that, and and uh, you know, I can see that relationship. Of course, they're they're guys, whereas I'm not. But and that's obviously a little bit different, and a little bit of a different dynamic. But um, yeah, I just I really really loved it. Every moment I felt, I just wanted more. I just wish this was like a two hour episode. I really could have, like you said, have a complete whole spinoff of Steve and Dustin. They were fantastic. But yeah, that's all I really had for my number two is just the Steve and Dustin show. <sighs> that's wonderful. I love it. I'm sure I'll probably have something more to say in notes about that because I feel like I can't stop talking about it or thinking <laughs> about those scenes. <clears throat> my number two um, is the spy. So we we kind of, I think we had a little bit of a hint of it in, in the previous episode. You know, Mike was talking to Will and, you know, they, they were kind of making that connection because um, he's like, well, can you spy on it? And he's like, you know, I feel like it's going to spy on me or, or maybe we made that deduction. But um, we finally got to kind of see what that meant. And I found it quite scary. Mm-hmm. That was a possession-esque kind of feeling. Yeah, that was Noah Schnapp did such a great job. I feel in this in this episode because uh, nothing gets me, and I know I've talked about it before, um, almost more than a creepy kid. You know, creepy kids in movies. You know, they that gets to me. That touches me. There's not much that really scares me, but creepy kids can scare me. And he really he put that out there. You know really good when he's like you know he looks at them he's like they shouldn't have done that they you know they hurt me when he's talking to dr owens and he's like well they hurt me and he's like who hurt you he's like the the doctors he said no the soldiers like he's got it out for those soldiers and you could see that when he's kind of seeing it kind of showed us like maybe what was the viewpoint and i'm just gonna call it the shadow monster um because we saw that in that episode that that was seemed like it was kind of taking possession of him or leaving a piece of him in there, however you want to interpret that. Um, but it looked like the viewpoint of the shadow monster when his mom is out there and uh, Bob is out there and he's kind of looking out the hallway and he sees the soldiers, connects them to the soldiers that, you know, were, were spraying fire where they found Hopper and trying to get all of that stuff to, to recede. And he sees the guns, he sees them as a threat um, that he, they're trying to destroy, you know, what is his, and that, you know, they're trying to expand whatever's happening in the upside down. It's trying to live and these people are trying to kill it. Um, so he sees them as a threat. I thought that was really scary, scary moment. Um, and I think the way that he was kind of speaking as the shadow monster, you know, like they shouldn't have done that. And when he says, uh, then he kind of comes back to himself and he says, you know, I'm sorry. He made me do it. I told you they upset him. They shouldn't have done that. Mm, yeah. Oh, I mean, that, that's, 
I had some I had some goosebumps uh, during all of that. And you know, we see he's he's leading them to a trap. So, what did you think? Did you think that that was a trap? Did you think that that was Will, or did you think that was a shadow monster when he's looking at like the locations of you know the 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 tunnels down below and he's trying to give them a clue as to where they need to go did you think that was a trap that's the thing i don't know about i mean it very much seems like it was a trap set by and that, so the question i have is like who's will spying for mm-hmm. is he spying for you know his family and friends or is he spying for the shadow monster because everything he did like i i think he knows who hopper is i think he knows who uh bob is so my oh, whole thing do? about that, yeah, I think it's now, is there a little bit of influence from the shadow monster? Maybe, but I think Will and the shadow monster both know that Bob is trying to take them from Maine or take them to Maine. Mm-hmm. And this is the shadow monster's only kind of, you know, defense thing is Will. And I don't know, again, I really feel like maybe Will is under the influence a little bit, but it's him making the conscious decision to do this thing. Because even though he felt sorry before, it wasn't like a, a tearful, like, oh, my God, this was wrong. It was just more like, you know, I'm sorry you have to get out of here. You know, it seemed a little bit more heartless than if, like, you were, you know, being held at, you know, shadow point to do these things. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. And what 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 the hell is coming? <laughs> because oh, did I you... don't know. What the hell was that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, at, and it's one of those things that this show does really good, like kind of teases it. You see it coming and you're like, oh, shit. Like, it's like, oh, Hopper's like, that's where I was. And yes. you're like, oh, shit. Like, okay, the fog's rolling in just like it did with, oh, my gosh, the Demogorgon pack. Uh, and it wasn't just and, one. Yeah, because this leads into my number one, which is the Demogorgon pack. Yes, like a pack of wolves. Yes, yes, it is. Because... You know, and I'm curious, like, is Dart really even in that group? Like, is Dart going to be, like, Nymeria from, like, Game of Thrones? <laughs> like, at first, whenever, like, they all left, like, I thought that's what happened. Like, you'd see Dart walking out going, Rah! Yeah. And then they Dart, you know, Dust would be like, that's my dire Demigorgon. Dire Demigorgon. Oh. But, you know, I thought that was Dart because... You, we saw whenever Steve went into the, the storm shelter thinking that Dart was down there. And he picks up that shedded skin off the floor. He's, he's holding it on the end of his bat, which totally icked me out. Because there is nothing I hate seeing more than freaking shedded snake skin in, like, what yeah. is it, the spring or whatever? You know, when, and if you live in an area like me, you see it. It's there, and it, I don't like uh, it. I don't like yeah. snakes. Snake skin's gross. I hate it's snakes, gross. too. I do. I'm not a... Sorry. I know. I, I, I'm an animal lover. They can live wherever they want, just not around me. Um, yeah. I'm totally down for that. Just... You need a perimeter. I need a perimeter. But, um... So, snake skin flips me out. So, not only did we get some shedded skin, which reminded me of snake skin, which icked me out, but this was, like, covered in goopy slime, um, totally gross, totally icked out. So we see that shedded skin, knowing that he has grown even bigger than the last time Dustin saw him. I thought I saw whenever Steve initially, you know, went out of the the um, the bus and he's standing out there on that next to that pile of meat to try to um, trap Dart. 
that it looked like there was shedded skin still attached to his back a little bit. Oh, I might have missed that because it was a little bit kind of dark where he was. It was, and I could just be seeing things. It could have just been some coloration, like maybe he was just a special colored Demogorgon, but I thought it was a little bit of the um, shedded skin still attached to him, so I thought, okay, well, maybe that is Dart, but Dart made some friends. Yeah, and well, you have to start to think, too, so with... um... Where Hopper was, like we thought the uh, upside down was bringing this stuff in. Uh huh. That's what makes me think there's already a pack of these demi gorgons out there. Uh huh. Because they're going out, getting this stuff, and bringing it back to this den, this lair. Yes, which made that even more creepy in the previous episode. Because Hopper, that's where it kind of like there were things closing. I feel ma- leading him to that place, and then you know he starts getting wrapped up and trapped, and he can't move, and he's on that top of that graveyard. He recognized mm-hmm. that. He's like, that's where I was. That's a graveyard. And then realizes that's when they all realize it's a trap. They're they're walking into a trap. And, you know, of course, we see the Demogorgons there at the junkyard with the kids. And, you know, and then they all, just in the nick of time, that was a scary moment. I mean, I don't know that I worried that much for the kids, but I, it did scare me. I thought it was a scary moment, that bus rocking around like that with all of them kind of trying to, you know, bust in. And when one of them gets up on top, that was a scary moment. And then all of a sudden, just in the nick of time, they all hear like this calling. Like, and I wonder what called them away. What, who? Well, I think, yeah, it had to probably be the upside down or the shadow monster. Yeah. Cause that's where uh, they started going down and in, to infiltrate the, I don't know what you call it, like the boneyard. Mm-hmm. And so the the shadow monster like oh crap because so, something's there like is it the heart of the shadow monster is it just yeah you know, it's a place that they he doesn't want them to go there's some sort of intelligence yeah I feel well and the creepiest thing too is like as they're doing this you see in the uh, fog the lights from the guns mm-hmm. and one by one you start <gasps> seeing those lights go out yes that was and I was like oh that's so creepy and like to be the last person there because that's the thing like I'm always scared of like yes. you know like you have a flashlight and it goes out. Or, like, you have a friend who has a flashlight and it goes out. Or, you know, you see this on, like, I just watched the the Star Wars Clone Wars TV series or mm-hmm. TV show. And there's a part where somebody's on, like, a, uh, a hologram. And all of a sudden they disappear after they start screaming. You're like, oh, like, you don't get the whole picture. You're like, what's going on here? I thought it was a really great scene. Really great scene to see it from that perspective. Like you said, with the fog and that lone guy is like watching it happen with all, because all you see are the lights and you just see them go flick, 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 yeah. you know, each one. And you're like, oh, that is. And Hopper's very at the, good. so yeah, so they do a great job of setting like, okay, so they, they stopped this. Well, what's next? Like they lost everybody. Now they need a group. And you have Will be like, you got to get out of here. Like they're almost here. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I know what's going to happen. And you see Hop standing there like he's at the front line just as always because it's, you know, our That's superhero Hopper. Hop. Yeah, he's and Indiana And you see Jones. that, oh, yeah, he is. And you see that Demi Gorgon hand just poof, right on top of that cliff pulling itself up. But is that what that was? I don't know. I I that think that so. I'm assume so. Because the Demi Gorgons kind of had human features as they got bigger. They did. It's like, at this point, they've eaten more people. And so they've grown. I would assume they've maybe grown on the way there. But, I mean, you want to throw in a new monster? Like, you know, you've already shit your pants twice from two different <laughs> monsters. Like, why not a third? I've got plenty of underwear. Let's do this again, <laughs> yeah, Stranger <absolutely>. Things. <laughs> third watch. Here we go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't – I mean, we did not get a very good look at it. I think it. you're right. It did have 
you know, it, the demigorgon, other than like it's, it's, it's face that opens up and eats cats, um, it does have like these hands, almost like human hands, and it did seem to lo look like that. However, it to me almost seemed a little bit different. I could be completely wrong. Maybe I was so caught up and scared shitless in the moment as, you know, because you see that look on Hopper's face. And when Hopper is scared, I am scared. That that says it all to me. Um he he's my uh he's my marker and he's my guide. And if he's flipping out, I'm flipping out. Um and Dr. Owens is behind him. You can see Dr. Owens. He certainly looks a little bit nervous. Because has he even seen anything like that? Does he even know what the hell those demigorgons are? Have they even uh, seen them since? I would think he's got to seen like videotapes and stuff like that. Maybe. But he's, he, I know he was looking like he was losing his shit back there behind Hopper. Um, but that was scary. To me, I, I don't know that if that was the Demogorgon. If it was, then that was still scary enough. But to me, it almost seemed like a new new monster. And uh, what the hell is coming crawling out there? It's going to be like face-to-face -face with Hopper. And that worries me. How good is that glass <laughs> protective while he's standing <laughs> yeah. behind? How, is that Demogorgon thick glass? Exactly. Has this been tested and approved? <laughs> <laughs> That was some really great stuff that, I mean, there are so many times I can talk about so many episodes that make my heart race and scary moments and, and moments that make me, you know, scared when I take my dogs out at night. <laughs> because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking around and I'm, you know, I hear the, the leaves rustle and, or I hear a noise because I've got like some, like a wooded area in my, like right next to my backyard. So I'm always like, what's out there? You know, you hear something rustling around and I, I, I struggle going out there at night after I've watched the show. Um, so I, I had issues with, with this one for sure. It definitely had my heart racing, had goosebumps, some, some definitely great, but I love it though. I'd love to be scared as much as is what I talk about it. Uh, I love it at the same time. Good stuff. Yes, yeah, so that was your number two, which kind of led into my number one was the Demigorgon pack. So oh. what do you have for your number one? My number one was the odd couple, which was Dustin and Steve, which I th I think we, I mean, I could keep going on and on and on about it and break down every moment that they shared and every line, but I'm not going to because I think people will turn us off and <laughs> <laughs> say like, shut up, move on. So I'm not going to talk anymore about that, but I think we covered that pretty well. It was, um, yeah, to me, those bits would couple. be worth, those bits would be worth going back and rewatching. Like, you know, yeah. you see those YouTube's clips of like best Dustin and Steve moments. There needs to be one of those for those, for this episode. I think definitely probably some good gifts and memes have probably come out of <laughs> them. Uh, sharing the screen together. I hope we get to see more. I, we only have three more episodes, which I'm getting scared. I don't want this to be over. I'm, I love this season so far. Um, I'm I'm really loving it. So I hope we get a lot more of Destin and Steve and Destin um, and more of the kids' interaction. I thought it was really fantastic. I thought they're just gold. They have great chemistry, and I love it. I loved every minute of it. So that was my number one. I could talk more, but I'm not going to... Um, do you have notes? Um, I've just got two little things. Um, the first one is uh, Jonathan coming home and seeing the map. Mm -hmm. So I'd kind of forgot that he hadn't been involved in all that. So, yeah, you know, you, you think everything's kind of put to rest and you're just trying to basically blow this thing wide open. 
And as you leave and come back, like you come back to home to almost the exact same type of scenario when uh, this all first started. So I thought that was a really good, you know, like his freaking out and his like scared and, you know, a rush of emotions when you can't find your mom or your brother again. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought that was a really cool moment. Mm -hmm. And then the last one was a hop speech to 11 over the radio. Um, I kind of felt like he was speaking to two people. Mm -hmm. I feel like he was speaking not only to 11, but he was also speaking to his daughter. Yes. Um, Because you see that that blue bracelet very prominent Mm. as he's talking. And you also, you know, he's, you know, and this is after their big fight. So he hasn't been home for a couple days, maybe. And he has no idea, uh, clearly, because he's thinking he's speaking to her through the radio. He doesn't know she's gone. He has absolutely no clue what's going on right now. Well, I, technically, we don't either, because I don't remember seeing her at the... Uh, well, no, I'm sorry. She's at her aunt's now. I yes, her mother's that. and her aunt's. Yes. So, yeah, he has no clue where he is. I mean, he, he at least knows she's not here, but with all this stuff going on, it's like, well, shoot, is she in the upside down? Like, is something bad with her? Is a demigorgon got her? Like, he has no clue. Yeah. And, you know, as a parent, again, that like, he's basically another, you know, this is all intents purposes, I think he probably feels like a parent here. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a child that he has no idea where she's at. Right. And and it's not like he can call someone to go check on her. Yeah. He can't call the neighbor and say, can you go check out the kid that I left home alone <laughs> for Yeah. A he can call that so. guy that, uh, that she hit in the face with that fire block. Right. There like, you go. Like, hey, can you, you know, that kid that, you know, threw <laughs> that piece of wood in your face? Can you check, make sure she's okay? Yeah. Can you just do like a welfare check? You know, <laughs> just. She, I, l- listen, she's got your coat still. She'll give it back this time. Exactly. <gasps> yeah. Oh, I agree. That was heartbreaking. Gosh. And, and I feel like didn't we've talked about hopper but i feel like he didn't get enough love um in this he got he got he had some great moments that's for sure and some great lines um but i don't know that i've given enough hopper love in this ep like i normally do um but yeah that was a beautiful moment a beautiful speech and it's so great to see such a tough guy with such a big heart that that gets me so i love it good good notes so i have some notes and I have more than just a couple, and I'll try to get <laughs> – just because I thought this was a really great episode. This episode just got me so excited. Um, first off, I really liked the cold open. I, I almost thought there was something wrong with my screen at first because it was black, but you could hear something. So I really liked how they, they started it out where, you know, you could just hear these frantic voices, but you couldn't see anything, but then all of a sudden it flashes to, to lights. Like you kind of get um, Will's perspective a little bit. Um, being on the on the bed and the and the rush of lights as you're being wheeled uh, or you know ran I guess down a hallway, um, so I thought that was really great and a you know a great effect. I really like the line between Dustin and Steve when they're in a car and he's talking about Dart and how he's like, well, he started out like this and gestures how little he was. It's like this little (laughs) slug. And now he's like this and gestures like the small, medium-sized dog size. And he's like, well, how do you know it wasn't a lizard? And he's like, because his face opened up and he ate my cat. (laughs) (laughs) That was really, really funny. Like I said, these two have, I mean, Dustin always has really great lines, but then to have his great lines and Steve, you know, his great lines and their interaction together was really great. Loved it. Um, going back to Hopper a little bit in the beginning, along with that cold open, Hopper was getting a Silkwood shower and Mm. 
I've talked about this before, and I know you're a busy guy. You probably haven't watched this movie yet. I I know I gave this to you as homework. You have to watch Silkwood. <laughs> um, Silkwood, I think, was kind of, you know, I don't know that they really pointed out that the, that movie provided inspiration necessarily, but it's it has similarities where you have um, cover-ups, facility and government company cover-ups, so that's all I'll really say about that, because in case someone has, I mean, okay, the movie's like 30 years old probably, so if you haven't seen it by now, I feel like I'm probably not spoiling it, but I won't say too much more than that. But I thought if, if you watch the movie, that's a kind of a poignant thing. They call it the Silkwood Shower, which is, that's what Hopper was getting. I thought that was a good callback to that movie. I really liked after his shower, and he's in, uh, Hopper, I'm talking about still, is in the medical gown. Dr. Owens comes in asking him how he's doing. Hopper just gives him that sly smile. Just mm-hmm. says after he's been thrown up yeah after he's sitting there i mean the poor guy i mean knowing what kind of toxicity he's been exposed to being an upside down for that long um you know i'm guessing that's probably what made him so sick um so yeah he just i mean that's our hopper i mean to me that's that's him that says it all um i mentioned queen playing while steve and dustin you know um had had their moments and I just bring that up again because I feel like this show does such a great job with music. Music is so, so important to me and the use of it and also not just when you use it, but where you use it in the show. And I feel like they do such a good job about not only the music that they choose um, and that's appropriate, but also the parts and scenes that they use it in. So I thought Queen was a really great choice. Um, There was, I don't know for sure, someone I think pointed out uh, somewhere what the song was Murray Bowman and um, Nancy and Jonathan were at the table someone mentioned what song that was and I can't for the life of me remember it but I thought that was a great great choice so I thought that was really great had lots of great callbacks when uh, you mentioned Hairband Billy is doing his workout what's playing in the background a little MTV action <sighs> anybody remember when MTV was good it used to stand for music television. It did. MTV was music television. I want my MTV. I was, <laughs> I'm old enough to, to know that and, and, and remember when that was said, like for the first time, I want my MTV. Um, and I'm screaming I used that. to I used to stay home sick from school just to watch music videos like right before I started high school. Oh my gosh. You don't even want to know how many tapes of music videos I had. Um, I had stacks and stacks and I would... Uh, you know, record the countdown, um, Headbangers Ball that played. I think it was every either Friday or Saturday. Ugh. But yeah, I had I had them all on VHS, man. So and of course, Rat was playing. Um, I really do not like Her- Billy. I think he's at this point just. I don't like him. Just keep working out. Just look pretty and do your thing. But the only thing I think he's got going for him is choice in music. <laughs> he does have a good choice in music. Um, I, Steve and Dustin at the train tracks, uh, I thought was like another, they keep going back to these train tracks and it reminds me of staying by me. Hmm. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Yeah, This is the second or third time they've been there. They have, they, they, this, it was, I think shown a couple times in season one, I feel. And I don't think the first time that we've seen them in season two, but yeah, they keep going back there. And I know that that was a big influence for the Duffer brothers. Um, but I just thought, and, and not only were they on the train tracks, but they keep having these like. Uh, very poignant conversations, like in-depth conversations, very similar to the boys in Stand By Me. They're having these very serious, 
you know, conversations. And I feel that despite the, the Farrah Fawcett hair references, um, you know, there was some serious conversation happening between those two. So I thought that was a really cool callback. Also, one last note that I had on here that I found really interesting. We were talking earlier about uh, the, the, the fellas that went down into the upside down and they're tracking them to this spot that Will has pointed out to on his map. Uh, and they have this, they're tracking these guys on this screen. Of course, it's somewhat dated to what we would normally see today. Uh, and I know that you got to watch this movie, Sean. I'm going to make you just sit at home one weekend and watch all of these movies. Um, Aliens, which Paul Reiser was in, Aliens, mm-hmm. um, was very similar to what they used in the show, the, those blinking dots and the little scanning sound that they use, like the little blips that they used sounded so much like what they used in aliens. Oh really? Yes. They had these trackers, like they could track themselves like, okay, this is this person, this is that person. But then they could also see like when one of the aliens was coming close to them. So they knew like, okay, something's coming. You need to be aware. Um, and you could see that, like you could see the dots and the, the, those were like the, the soldiers. And then you see, see the dots coming in from the various tunnels from all around them. That was very much like the movie aliens where you had, you know, you had the, 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 the soldiers and then you had the aliens coming after them. I loved that so much because I love the movie Aliens, and I thought it was just super cool to have that little callback, at least to me, in my opinion. I don't know if anyone else shares that opinion. Uh, let me know if you do. Let me know if I'm completely bonkers. I'm okay with hearing it. It won't be the first time someone's told me that. Um, but yeah, th- that was, I thought, great because of uh, Paul Reiser. He was standing right there, and I thought, you were in that movie. Um, so that was super cool. I love all these callbacks to the 80s. Um, pulls my nostalgic heartstrings. So that's all my notes good notes oh just it was a great episode and i could just keep talking about it anybody wants to call me up and just keep talking about it (laughs) um reach out to me let's chat (laughs) we'll keep talking (laughs) okay so we have a little bit of news from this show do you want to read the first one for us yep so our first one comes from accessatlanta.com. So if you felt like the Demigorgon's behind because you missed the chance to tour the Cobb County Farm where Stranger Things Season 2 was filmed, you're in luck. The Sleepy Hollow Farm in Powder Springs decided to do to add two extra weekends of tour dates. Brad Kimmel, farm co-owner, said they extended because of the huge response. He estimated that 1,000 people come over the first two weekends. The tour includes filming sites for Hopper's Cabin, the Rotting Pumpkin Patch, the Corn Maze, and according to Facebook events, the new dates for the $20 hour-long tour are December 9th, 10th, 16th, and 17th, this weekend and next weekend. So if you're in the area and you want to, the farm is located at 628 Sleepy Hollow Road, and you can buy your tickets online. In addition to seeing filming locations, the farm also said this, Along the way, we need you to help solve a series of clues that will ultimately help save our property and keep the evil out of our dimension. I thought that was super cool. Um, That's awesome. By the time this um, podcast episode drops, uh, there will still be some dates available that this Mm -hmm. will be um, uh, happening, that they'll have them uh, open. So I thought that was pretty cool. I I would love if I was in the area, I would so do this. Yeah. It'd be worth doing. Yeah. So yeah. I always like whenever they have like 
kind of skits you can do and stuff too. Yeah, and they film in the Atlanta area. So if you're in the Atlanta area and you're like, I don't know what the hell to do this weekend, go check this out and uh, take pictures and send them to us because I want to hear about it. Was it awesome? Um, and I want to see all the cool stuff. Well, that was pretty cool. I, w- I want to go. Okay, then our next article comes from entertainmentweekly.com. So Netflix's latest true crime series mixes documentary and scripted storytelling to explore a CIA conspiracy theory. On Monday, the streaming service released a new trailer for Wormwood, legendary documentary filmmaker Errol Morse's forthcoming six-part series dives into the suspicious death of Frank Olson, an army scientist who plummeted to his death in New York in 1953. Was he thrown out of the window, or did he die by suicide? How involved was the CIA? How does this all connect to the CIA's mind control program, MKUltra? <gasps> I think we've heard that before. I've heard that before, yep. Uh-huh. So those are all questions that the documentary, which features interviews, archival footage, and scripted scenes, um, which stars Peter Sarsgaard as Olsen, um, which they aim to answer. So here's the official description from Netflix. So directed by boundary-breaking filmmaker Errol Morris, Wormwood explores the limits of knowledge about the past and the links will go in our search for the truth. A twisting, evolving story of one man's 60-year quest to identify the circumstances of his father's mysterious death. Combining a virtuosic performance by Peter Sarsgaard with Morse's legendary interview style, Wormwood examines this case from every possible angle, bringing the viewer face-to-face with some of the United States' darkest secrets. Wormwood sets a new standard for nonfiction filmmaking, finds Morris working on his grandest canvas yet. Um, so you can check out the trailer if you want. I know it's online out there. And Wormwood arrives on Netflix and in select theaters. Oh, nice. Yeah. I've been curious why they haven't done that with a few things. Like Bright that comes out in a couple weeks. Yeah. Like that is a like theater-esque movie that they're just putting on Netflix. I know. That's a huge, huge production. That's a big deal. And, and yeah, that's Netflix putting that out there. So this is going to be on Netflix and in select theaters on December the 15th. So not this week, folks, by the time this episode drops, but the next. So I thought it was interesting. And the reason, um, in case y'all are sitting there scratching your heads, you know, wondering why I'm bringing this up, it's not just because it's a Netflix um, release, which I always try to kind of keep up with since we do um, a Netflix uh, centric show, but also because it's on MK Ultra, that mind control program, which was those true events and that that program that actually took place is what inspired uh, from season one. If you remember Terry Ives, um, how she was, you know, they talked about that whole experiment that she was a part of and the mind control and and what Dr. Brenner was a part of. And, of course, we got snippets of um, in the previous episode whenever we got to see a little bit of that flashback uh, from her perspective. Um, so I thought that was really interesting to bring up since we're talking about the show that they are going to be kind of taking a deeper dive into that. So I think I'm going to be watching. I'll definitely check that out. That'll yeah, be really cool. Definitely. So that's it for the news. News is little slim pickings because about what's left out there, my folks, is spoilery. And I somehow managed to not watch the next episode after this one uh, to see what the hell is climbing out of that hole. 
so <laughs> everything's pretty spoilery after this, and I don't want to know. So we're just going to have to wait to get to the rest of the news. So we're going to move on to letters from the upside down. So this is our listener feedback portion, which is one of my favorite portions because I love hearing from you guys. Sean, you want to kick us off? Yeah, so Wendy Odd Eppers gets us started off, and she says, this is the part that Winona was born to play. Amen. Yeah, she did great in this episode. She was great. Kristen Howell says, Hopper's message to Eleven was so sweet. I love the more tender moments he has, especially when it comes to Eleven. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Noah Schnapp is incredible. Every episode. My only wish is that we could have had him more in season one. Good job taking it all in stride, Bob. You're a good man. This information is not for the weak-hearted. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Robin Young Sanders. So with this season, this show now resides among my all-time favorite shows. The Steve and Dustin pairing is one of the best on-screen pairings I've seen on TV. Right up there with the Hound and Arya from Game of Thrones. And Ooh. speaking of pairings, Nancy and Jonathan. Bow, chicka, bow, bow. <laughs> So leave it to Murray to make this awkward morning after the first time even more awkward. I nearly spit out my drink when Mary asked Jonathan how the pullout was. Jeez. That line is going to go down in epic history, I'm just saying. Yep. <laughs> just... Yeah, the next time I go hang out with some friends, like go on a road trip or something, I'm going to totally throw that out there. I think a lot of people probably already have since they've probably binged it, and uh, I see more future use of it, that's for sure. Good grief. That was funny. Stephanie M. Fernandez says, So apparently Dr. Owens has a conscience after all, and there are certain moral lines he won't cross, like killing children. He was also willing to give Will a chance to help them in spite of the other doctor's opposition, but the almost automated way that Will took notice of the soldiers in the hall made it pretty clear he was going to be setting them up for a fall. Juxtaposing the soldiers going down into the Shadow Monster's trap with Steve and the kids setting up their own trap was a nice way to build tension. It also highlights the fact that the kids are saved from the failure of their trap by the success of the other one. Hmm, good point. Unfortunately, Mike didn't get very much to do in the episode, but I loved seeing him immediately understand that Will is talking about and what's going to happen, even though his warning comes too late for the soldiers below. The monsters are coming. Ooh, indeed they are. One bell for Demi Gorgon, two bells for Shadow Monster. <sighs> no way. Steve Brown says, so love the Queen song playing in Steve's car. Creepy reporter guy is even more creepy, even though he was right. Loved Hopper's never better after puking into a bucket. <laughs> I hope there was a bucket. Hairband Billy is smoking a cigarette while working out and listening to Rat, a heavy metal hairband. Steven Dustin, buddy movie needs to happen. I agree there. Mm -hmm. The whole interaction between them is great. Notes. I wonder if closing the trunk was a homage to Supernatural. The camera shot is the same. Oh, yeah, good call. Mm. And the bat. Yeah. I don't, know if you've, I don't know if you've caught up on the Supernatural ones, but... They've been carrying around a bat, it seems, a lot that looks like Lucille. Uh-huh. I've heard and about it, but I haven't watched it, but I know the I references. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, so notice that they are, were no longer watering down the vodka. <laughs> Is Max's new name Random Girl? And the sequence with Lab Guys and the Caves Vines had a lot of references to the movie Aliens. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Steve, for validating that for me. I thought so as well. Hmm, good call. Yeah. Okay, we've got some emails, and I'm going to read this first person's name, and I'm 
going to apologize in advance if I butcher your last name. I do apologize. Take no offense. So this email is from Randy K. Valquartson. They say, hey guys, love the podcast. It gets me through my boring work day. I just listened to episode 11 where you said that it's never too late to put in your input. I'm a little behind, obviously, but in season one, when they discover Will's body and Joyce has to go in and identify it, she asks to see the birthmark on his right arm and they lift his left. I wonder if they put the birthmark on the wrong arm and that's what made Joyce freak out and proved to her that it wasn't her son. Just food for thought. Keep up the awesome Ooh. work. Can't wait for season three. I, good catch. I know. I thought about that because she goes in there and she she's already, of course, just upset. Who wouldn't be totally legit? And then she comes out and she's like freaking out. Like, I don't know what you think that is, but that is not my son. So it's like, well, what the hell did, what made her freak out like that? So like, I thought maybe he just didn't have the birthmark that that was enough for her, but that I did not catch that. So yeah, that'd be a good twist on it. Cause I mean, that would be a small detail that only a mom may know. Exactly. So yeah, really good, good perspective. Thanks for writing in. And like I said, I don't care what episode or season you're writing in on. If you got something to say, I want to hear it. So good, oh, yeah. good call. All right. So our next one is, Hey, Rima and Sean, so much happens in this episode. Loved all the action and fantastic asking acting by the cast. Andrew Stanton, who directed the episode, is a huge Pixar director. He directed Toy Story, Finding Nemo, Monsters, Inc., and more. Here's a quote from him about directing for Stranger Things. I was 15 to 25 in the 80s. I went to college, studied film, and went to movies like crazy and ate everything up. The Duffers captured exactly what it was like to watch all that stuff. There's a pure sense of wonder about the show and appreciation for an unadulterated Greek geek cinema. Steve, I just had to mention how much I love, love Steve in this episode. I never in a million years would have guessed that he would turn out to be such a hero, finding off those dimmy dogs to save the kids. And is it just me, or is it a little like Jaws? Max says the fog looks like the ocean, Steve plays bait, and the bus is a bit like a boat, meaning they have nowhere to run. All the best, Meg from New Jersey. That's a pretty good call. That's a pretty good callback. Yeah, that's a pretty good callback. I didn't pick up on that, but yeah, I can definitely, now that you point that out, I see it, and I like it, because Jaws is awesome, and like probably my number one movie of all time. Had Dustin throw out, you're going to need a bigger bat. (laughs) That would have been awesome. (laughs) That is super great. Okay, so next email. Hi, Rima and Sean. Love your podcast, and I look forward to listening to it every week. My only note for this episode is that I think it isn't the light that hurts dart, but heat. Like the heat from the desk lamp at school and what is probably a heat lamp in the turtle tank. Thanks, Leanne Brewer. That is a really good point. I did not... I. Duh, the upside down is dark, so there's probably not a lot of light which produces heat, so... Probably a really good call. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a good call. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it kind of would make, like, what happened in the outside make more sense, so. Yep, I agree. Cool. Thanks for writing in. All right, so hi, Reem and Sean. First of all, I just want to say I'm a big fan, and thanks so much for taking the time to do this podcast. No problem. We we love doing it. Mm -hmm. I've been going through a really hard time lately. I've been watching Stranger Things daily on repeat to calm me down. I find myself missing it on my hour commute to school every day. Then I found your podcast and loved it because it's like watching TV while driving. Here are some of my thoughts about Season 2, Episode 6. 
Some detail, but I loved when they were doing the experiment with Will and the vine in the hospital. In the background, you see Mike and Hopper sitting on the counter in the room, swinging their feet. Hopper is such a big kid, but he jumped up immediately to stop the experiment when it started hurting Will. I'm like you, Rima. I love him. Mm-hmm. Bob is so extra. I love the guy, but when he shouts, is there a doctor? I cringe a little bit. I love how much he's trying to be there for Joyce at this, at this time, though. Steve and Dustin's friendship warms my heart. I love when they're talking about Nancy and how she's special. In the meantime, she's off hooking up with Jonathan. <laughs> I always thought th- Steve was too good for her anyway. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, when the creatures are attacking the kids and Steve is in the junker, I love when Steve yells out of the way and pushes the kids behind him to protect them. I can't believe how much Steve has changed. I agree there. He's you know he's gone from a zero to a hero. Mm-hmm. So Mike is such a good friend of Will. I hope to have a friend like that one day, honestly. I think we all do. Like That's like Hell you know, yeah. your ride or die kind of friend. Hell yeah. Uh, when Will sent the soldiers into the vines, I remember the name of the episode, The Spy, and kind of figured it was a trap. I feel so bad for him because he seems genuinely upset that he lied to them. Such a big cliffhanger for the next episode. Thanks for reading, and I hope I make it on the podcast. Sincerely, a big friend, big fan from California. Well, big fan from California, you're totally tubular. (laughs) You say that, right, big fan? (laughs) Yeah, write back and let us know that that you say that all the time. Just lie to us. We want to hear it. (laughs) But yeah, thanks for thanks for writing in. You made it on the podcast. If you write it, we will read it. Next one is, hey, Rima and Sean, a longtime listener. Nine episodes counts for that, right? (laughs) First time emailer. Absolutely. You're an OG. Thanks for hanging with us. (laughs) Anyway, I was late in watching Stranger Things, but now I'm hooked. I have to say, I really enjoy this podcast as well. I tried a couple, and you guys were the ones I gravitated to. You bring insight and knowledge to the podcast, and I really enjoy that. Rima, you talking about dating yourself with some of the movies and shows that get referenced. How is this for dating oneself? I was 12 in 1984 and lived in a small town. I could have been one of those kids, probably destined due to my awkwardness and love of pudding. (laughs) (laughs) Keep up the good work, and if I hear my email when I catch up on the podcast, it will be like traveling through time. Strange. (laughs) Josh Duell. I'm sorry if I butchered your last name. I'm horrible with names. Um, Yeah, I talk about that a lot. I, I feel like I date myself, but I don't care. I like talking about it. I love the 80s. I had a great time in the 80s. Except for the, the hair and the clothes. Yeah, it was all good. Thanks for writing in. So our next email is, I am completely obsessed with this show. I just finished season two for the second time, and I'm ready for round three. I could rewatch a million times and never get bored with this show. I'm 23 years old, but I wish I was still 11 to 12. Don't we all? Mm-hmm. I totally want to be friends with these kids. They are just outstanding actors. I can't even wrap my mind around it. Even the adult cast members. The Duffer Brothers really picked the best of the best. I have so many things I love about this show, but I think my two favorite friendships of the series is Hopper and Eleven and Dustin and Steve. Hopper and Eleven are more than a father-daughter relationship, but they both know loss and loneliness. Their pairing helps both characters kind of help each other together, or help put each other together. Hopper helps Eleven find some sort of normalcy, even though she resents it for a time. She eventually realizes where home is, and I believe Hopper helped her realize that when she listens to him talking to her through the radio. And for Hopper, Eleven helps him be the father he didn't have the chance to be. I think she can tell he is lonely even before she knows about Sarah. As for Dustin and Steve, this is something beautiful in the making. Dustin seems to be an only child from what we can tell in Season 2, and Steve most certainly is a spoiled-only child rich kid who has recently been knocked off his high horse. Dustin is struggling with girls, and Steve is no stranger to attention from the ladies. 
As they are walking along the rail tracks and Steve is telling Dustin's how to win the ladies, hair tips and all, you can see how he's being a lot like a big brother. I agree there very much. Mm-hmm. Throughout season two, you can see Steve noticing Dustin struggling with Max and he tries helping Dustin build his confidence. When he goes to drop Dustin off at the snowball, you can definitely tell a friendship has formed between the two when Dustin does his purr and Steve tells him, yeah, don't do that. Dustin does his purr and Steve tells him, yeah, don't do that because after all, friends don't lie. I really enjoy this podcast. I don't know how I'm going to make it a whole year without another season, but I'm sure it will be well worth the wait. Savannah Carver. That just means we have to keep watching uh, Stranger Things 1 and 2 on repeat until we get season 3, which we do know now has finally at least confirmed. (laughs) Like, there was really any doubt. Yeah. But I always just a little bit, just shaking my shoes just a little bit until we get that confirmation and we have that confirmation season 3 is happening well, I mean, there's been news about American Gods dropping lately, and it's just like, oh, is that show gonna, Jeez. gonna not make it? Isn't that horrible? Horrible. Yeah, that, that, see, and I love that show, and I hate seeing things like that happen to shows that I love. Do not, whoever, tear apart those Duffer Brothers and take them away from this show, because they are such a huge part of what make this show so special. And it's amazing to me how they're able to, to produce what they produce and write when they didn't even grow up in the flipping eighties. They just sat and were so movie obsessed like the rest of us and geeking out over these eighties shows that they're able to take that and turn that into this fabulous show. Don't anybody screw with the show. I'm going to, you're going to hear about it for me. Like that means anything. But <laughs> Anyway, that is all the feedback that we have so far. We've got some really great feedback on our Facebook page and everyone emailing us and even some messages uh, through the Facebook page. I love reading this stuff. I get such a kick out of hearing what you guys have to say because you guys always make me see things a little bit differently or help bring light to something that maybe I have confusion about that I'm not sure about. So thank you everyone so much for taking the time to write in about this show that we all love so much. It's very much appreciated. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Okay. So next week, we'll be covering the seventh episode from season two, titled Chapter 7, The Lost Sister. Hmm. So the description for this episode is, Psychic visions draw Levin to a band of violent outcasts and an angry girl with a shadowy past. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder who we might be talking about. Yeah, I wonder if we've seen this girl before. Yeah, I think that, I don't know, I'm hoping I'm hoping for a good turnout. Um. We'll see, I guess. I'm anxious. I'm probably going to go straight from after we finish here, and I'm going to go watch it immediately <laughs> because I don't think I can <laughs> wait. So, yeah, that's I'm looking forward to that one. So we are so excited for you to travel to Hawkins, Indiana with us. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter at StrangeTCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like Under the Comic Covers at Podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed and any of the other great Podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcast. Yeah, because they're all good. Go do that right now when, whenever you're done listening to us. So, And also, make sure to check out Sean in his other podcast, The Language of Bromance. It comes out every Sunday. Check it out, because yeah. if you love Sean here, you're going to love him over there, too. <laughs> 
That's where that's where there's no rules. Like Rima tries to keep me in line right there. I just all over the place. I try really hard, <laughs> and we just can't keep him unleashed. We we have to let Sean fly that freak flag. <laughs> so yeah, check him out. All right, well that's our show, episode fourteen, chapter six, the spy. Until next time, I'm Rima, and I'm Sean. And Josh Duwall is strange indeed. Since I left my baby behind on Dubai, I'm going back someday. So, Jonathan, how was the pullout? I'm sorry. The sofa. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was it was good. I bet.